Good morning, H2O Church. It is so great to be with you today. Very excited to be sharing out of Numbers 6 today. If you want to begin turning there. You know, in our Christian journey, in our life journey, we often have questions about who God is. We have all kinds of doubts and questions, and as we go through life and we encounter various things, we might have really important questions about God, who are you and and what are you doing in these times? What are you doing in my life? And those are really important questions for us to lean into. And today, as we look at number six, we see some other people in a similar situation as us in regard to wanting to know who is God? What is this God all about? And what is he doing in our lives? Because number six is talking about the people of Israel, the Israelites that have come out of Exodus, and they're learning who this God is, who this Yahweh is. And they are at Mount Sinai during a period of time where Moses is going to intercede for the people, and he's coming down from the mountain, and he's talking to the people of Israel about who God is. After they've seen his amazing works from Exodus coming out of Egypt, During Leviticus and Numbers, the books of Leviticus and Numbers, they're learning about how to follow God. What does it mean to live an abundant life? What does it mean to walk with Yahweh? And that is where we are jumping in to number six. I'm very excited to be singing this song, this passage that we're going to be looking at today. It's called the Priestly Blessing. It's an ironic blessing. Not ironic, but Aaronic, like Aaron from Moses' right-hand man. And in this book of Numbers, just to kind of give you some context, at the end of the chapter in 6, there's this priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Maybe you've heard this before and maybe it's familiar to you. But what is happening here in Numbers is God is giving them very detailed descriptions on how to follow him. Leviticus just seems like it's filled with so many rules. We might say, God, why are you asking us to follow all these rules? And in Numbers, the book of Numbers, it has all these numbers, but also continues all these different ways to follow God and all these rules, mostly for the protection of the people so that they might be spared from their social difficulties, even their physical difficulties, so that they don't get sick He's trying to protect them and teach them how to walk with him. Now, in this chapter 6 that we're going to be looking at, they have a very high standard for their priests. Aaron is one of the priests. He intercedes between God and the people. And these Nazarite people, these Nazarite priests, have a very high standard of how they should live so that they can intercede for God. And as we read through the context of this, we see, wow, there's a really a lot of things that they had to keep in mind, very detailed things. But as we get to the end of this chapter, we see six things about God. And as I mentioned, just as they have questions about who God is, there are people maybe listening today that uh, maybe you're very familiar with God and the Bible and church but you still have doubts. You still wonder what God is doing. And that's a very normal thing in our journey as we follow Jesus. 
But maybe there's many of you that you didn't grow up kind of understanding what the Bible is and and you wonder, who is this God? Maybe you even have wrong misconceptions about who God is. I remember a time down in Indiana when we were sharing with some young people and we came up and started talking to this girl and we asked her about her beliefs about God and she said, I don't want to talk about God. God took my best friend as I, when I was a young person and I'm angry at God. You know, when we experience loss like that, when we have people close to us die, when we experience disappointments in life and hurts, and, and just very difficult, tragic surprises, many of us want to blame God. Many of us want to put that upon God and put that upon His character that He doesn't love us, that He's not watching out for us, that He doesn't care about us. He's, he's apathetic toward us. And we put these misconceptions upon God. And it's just really wrong. It isn't true. It isn't accurate. And we come back to His Scriptures to find out, well, who is God and what is He up to? So we're going to jump into this passage here in Numbers chapter 6, and we're only going to read 22 through 26, this Aaronic blessing. And it tells us these six things about God so that we can understand who God is and what His character is all about. Let's begin in verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, Aaron and his sons and the Nazarite people, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's the whole passage of Scripture. That is the things that they're trying to communicate about who God is. So let's look at these six things uh, quickly and understand a little bit more about the character of God, how He loves us and wants to care for us and deal with us. The first one, it says, God blesses us. It says, the Lord bless you. It's like a a blessing, it's a word, it's a prayer to say, the Lord bless you. The Lord wants to bless you. That word actually means happy. It's translated happy in many parts of Scripture. That God wants you to be happy. Not maybe a happiness in the world's definition, but in this, this joy, this blessing, God's favor upon you. Just as we would, for example, love to bless our kids and take care of our kids and and love them and show them the kindness that we want to show our children. The Bible says as much as we try to be good parents, you know, maybe we have some moms and dads listening to this right now and you think, yeah, of course I want to bless my kids. Of course I want them to be happy and I want to give them things. It says that our love and our desire to bless our children pales in comparison to the love that this heavenly Father has toward us. If you're thinking, man, is God trying to rip me off? Is God holding back from me? Why am I not experiencing um, this blessing from God? You can be assured from Scripture that God loves you. He cares for you. That, That goes toward you individually. God wants to bless you and show you 
his favor. Maybe there's some other things going on in your life that are inhibiting that. Or maybe there's some obstacles in life that we will talk about. The second thing says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord keeps us is the second thing that we can know about God. Not only does he want to bless us and, and, and give us a happy, abundant life, he also wants to protect us. He wants to keep us. The Bible says that God is our stronghold. As the Israelites were learning about this, these, this Yahweh, and they were leaving Egypt, and Pharaoh and his armies were coming to attack them, and they were scared half to death for their lives, they got to see God intercede for them to keep them, to protect them. You know, I'd love to throw out this question to us that as we long for safety and security in our own lives, where does our safety come from? You know, as you listen to this today, um, I ask you that question. What makes you feel secure? You know, I got a letter in the mail just this week. It's one of those letters that you don't want to receive, but it says that one of the online sites that I was needing to use for some of our finances had been hacked. And this letter says some people's emails and social security numbers have been hacked. You, unfortunately, are one of those people. So I get this letter that, that uh, my social security number is out there somewhere. My fortunes are at risk right now, people, as I share with you. This does not make me feel safe. I remember the first time uh, as a young person when I was uh, experienced the basketball locker room and the coach told us to bring some locks to kind of bring some security to our things in our locker. We didn't have a lot. I didn't feel like asking my parents for an expensive lock. And I had this little lock that was like on a little treasure box. I didn't really realize at the time as a young person, but it was kind of, even though it was metal, it was kind of a toy lock. And I brought that to the locker room with the basketball players all the way from junior high to high school were in this locker room. And I put that tiny little lock on my locker. And when I came back from practice one day, the guys had just torn it with their hands, ripped this lock open and thrown it on the ground. And as I came in, they were just all laughing at me. And as a young person, I was super embarrassed. But then I kind of saw the silliness of my little toy lock that I had put in, that I had placed on this locker. You know, I believe that we have some toy locks in our own lives. These things that we try to do to bring security. We have things to protect our homes. We have things to protect our finances and our, our identity and our possessions. And really, in many ways, they're fruitless. As I ask you, where does our safety come from? The Bible is saying, turn your eyes to God. Put your security in God. All the things that we have in our health and, and all the things that we'd want to hold on to so desperately to make us feel a little bit better, they fall so short of the protection of God. The psalmist even cries out, where does my help come from? He throws out this rhetorical question, but then he answers himself, says, my help comes from the Lord. You know, we believe with all of our heart, the most important security that you can have in your life, the most important place you should feel safe is in the presence of God 
and in regard to your eternal soul. That's why 1 John 5, John is telling the people, this is the testimony. This is life. If you have the Son, if you have Jesus, you have the life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the life. Then he says, he goes on in verse 13, he says, I tell you these things who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's security. That you may know that you have eternal life. That regardless of what happens in this world, you have this eternal security that Jesus has covered your sins. And when you die, you're going to be with him. Martin Luther says this, I have held many things in my hands and have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Isn't that amazing? We want to possess things. We want to hold on to things. We want control. But Martin Luther is saying, when we let those things go and we let God possess them in our lives, those are, those are safe. The Lord keep you. The Lord protect you. The Lord be your safety net. We move on to the next one. So it's the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The third one, the Lord wants us to see His face. May His face shine upon you. God wants you to see Him. God wants you to experience Him. God wants you to see this physical world, but see through it with spiritual eyes and experience His presence. You know that God wants to be on a date with you? I love going out on dates with my wife. I love going on dates with my kids. That intimate time, that fun time to talk and connect, it's wonderful. We are made for relationship. Do you know that the Lord wants to be on a date with you? He wants you to open up His Scriptures and see Him. He wants you to take those walks with Him, those prayer walks, and talk to Him so that He might make His face shine upon you to encourage you to see the beauty of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord. That is the precious part of the relationship with God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ that we can now experience the presence of God. Even though we can't physically see Him, He can't give us a physical hug, He can make His presence known to us. It's something that God desires. This was something very new to the people of Israel back in this time. The Israelites wandering in the desert, looking for their homeland. And Moses and Aaron and the priests are saying, this Yahweh God, He wants to know you. He wants to be in your life. The fourth point, the Lord be gracious to you. This word gracious means to give grace. This Yahweh God wants to give grace to you. Now, what does that word mean? That just simply means His undeserved favor He wants to bless you with. You know, sometimes um, in our own pride and in our way of life, we don't really look for God's grace that much because we all believe at our core that we're pretty good people. You know, that's, that's one of the uh, American things about us is if you just go out and talk to people about spirituality, countless times we would say, 
I'm a good person. I'm counting on the fact that I'm a good person. I think that God will give me favor because I'm a good person. I ask you that question. Are you a good person? What is your view of your own life? Because most people would say, I'm a pretty good person. And what we've kind of done in our spirituality, and this is not a good thing, we have set some kind of arbitrary standard that we consider good, and ironically enough, we are above that standard. Say, this is what's good, you know? Those people out there that do this, they're bad, but I don't do that. I am a good person. And when we live our whole life thinking that we're good people, we have no need for God's grace. We have no need for a gracious God. We have no need for forgiveness or what Jesus provided for us at the cross. Because why would we need that? We're good people. There's a funny story about a Sunday school teacher talking to her children about sin. And she says, who knows what the sin of commission is? This little girl raises her hand so proudly and says, yeah, what is the sin of commission? And she says, that's when we do things that we know are wrong. And the teacher says, excellent, that's exactly right. The sin of commissions when we know we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't steal, we shouldn't do this, and we do it anyway. He says, okay, who else knows what the sin of omission is? This little boy raises his hand so proudly and says, okay, what is the sin of omission? He says, that's the sins that we want to do, but we just haven't got around to do them yet. That's uh, pretty funny. Um, it's not quite what sins of omission are, but how insightful that is from the mouth of babes. The sins of omission are the things that God has asked us to do and we have refused to do. And you know, we have all kinds of sin in us. We have sins of commission, the things that we know we shouldn't do and we do it anyway. We have the sins of omission in our lives. When God asks us to, to be generous, to go love somebody, to, to encourage someone, to talk to someone about Jesus, to read the Bible and to be humble and open to what God wants to say to us. And when we refuse to do those things, the Bible calls that sin. But how insightful from the story of the little boy that says, you know what else is wrong is the sins that we're considering in the future that are tempting us, that we're, we're daydreaming about, and we're going to sin. We're, we're, we want to get to that point, but we just haven't gotten there yet. Sins of the heart that we're pondering. The Bible says those are wrong too. So as we really look at our lives and we see all these different mistakes that we've made in life, we need a gracious God. We need this God of grace that wants to love us and forgive us and have a relationship with us even though we don't deserve it. If you go through life comparing yourself to everybody else and thinking you're a good person, you're not going to understand this relationship with God because as you compare yourself to a holy God, to a perfect God, and as you read through Leviticus and Numbers and the context of this passage, it wasn't just so they could follow all the rules. What the Bible was telling them was they were sinful people. They were never going to measure up to this holy God. And so the rules pointed to the need for God's grace. And I hope that you see that today. God wants to be gracious to you. 
He wants to shower his forgiveness upon you. It goes on to say, the Lord turns to see us. And that just goes with this previous thing. You know, if you've made some horrible mistakes in your life, maybe maybe even as I'm sharing this, you're thinking, my goodness, I have all kinds of sins of commission in my life. The way I just spoke to that person, the things in my heart, the things I've lied about and, and stolen and cheated, the immoral things that I've done in my life. There's lots of things that I've felt compelled to do and I've just refused to do it. You might feel separated from God right now. And this Numbers passage is saying the Lord wants to turn back to you. As we turn back to God, as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. May the Lord turn His face back to you. As you are sorry and you are repentant of the things that you have done, God wants to give you another chance. I'm so grateful for the, the so many different chances that God has given me to be reconciled back to Him. It's amazing to know how forgiving God is. And finally, the last one, God wants us to experience peace. May the Lord turn back to you and give you peace. This Yahweh God wants you to experience peace. You know, the Israelites understood what it was like to be at war. To have people wanting to kill them, to hurt them. They longed for peace, to the absence of war. But they also needed to learn that they didn't want to be at war with God. And every one of us needs to be at peace with God. And that comes through that relationship with Jesus. So let me ask you this question as we close up here today. Are you at peace on the inside? Are you experiencing peace in your life right now? Do you know that God can give you a peace that surpasses understanding? If you're dealing with anxiety and you're just so fearful with everything going on in the world, you just don't feel at peace. God wants to give you a real peace that's far beyond all the circumstances. He wants to give you peace with others. Maybe you're in conflict right now. Maybe you're having some relationship problems. Maybe there's anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and just coldness in your relationships. God can bring peace there. But most importantly, the greatest blessing of this whole you know, priestly blessing is that you might be at peace with God. God has made that possible so that you could be at peace with Him. If you're going to battle against God, if you're going to fight against God, if you're going to go to war against God, you will lose. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And as we humble ourselves before Him, He brings us into a peaceful relationship with Him. I want to encourage us as we sing this song together as we sing the lyrics, as we sing the verses of number six, that we would just pray this blessing upon ourselves, that we would pray this blessing upon the people around us, that we would pray this blessing over our country and our world. We're so desperate for it right now. 
even as I was preparing this, I, I was thinking this week even, I want to pray this blessing and read this, these, this passage to my wife, over my wife. I want to pray this over my children, that we would pray this over the people around us. And the Bible says there's power in that as we pray this blessing over each other. So let's do that together. Let me pray. Lord, we are so grateful to just understand who you are a little bit more from the verses in Numbers chapter 6. Lord, that you're a loving God. You're a gracious God. You're one that wants to protect us and be in an intimate relationship with us. And God, as we read this about your character and about who you are, Lord, we pray that that would seep deep into our hearts, into a real faith and a real belief. And Lord, even as we sing these verses together, Lord, as a congregation, as a community of people, Lord, that we would believe it. We would sincerely believe what we're saying is your blessing, your singing over us, and that we can sing that over one another. Lord, thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen.